Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 666. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we're going to talk about when do you know it's time to sell? Because recently I heard someone talking about how this geopolitical tension, we'll call it, with Iran made them sell their long-term holding of Microsoft stock. And I thought that was a very interesting reason why to sell. Now, I can understand why it could be frightful or he might be thinking that we could be getting into a war. And therefore, he thought, this is a time to get out. But in reality, when you're looking at what is the right time to sell, particularly an individual stock, it's more about the earnings. It's more about the profitability and has their picture, their outlook for profitability changed? We'll get back to that in a minute. But first I wanna tell you a story, my story about Microsoft. You see, my husband and I had owned Microsoft from the late 80s and had held onto that stock for a long time. When the stock market started to boom, into 1999, I did start to get concerned that things were looking very bubblish. But more importantly, there was something material that happened with Microsoft that made me think this could be a good time to sell. And that was a major competitor named Linux had come out a few years before, and they were an open source software. That just means they had access to the source code and they could change the software and people had open access to it. So different programmers could access it and they all could improve upon the software. I saw that and others saw that as a major threat to Microsoft's domination of software and to its Windows product. So in late 1999, I made the decision that was when we were going to sell our stock. And in hindsight, I was very lucky. I couldn't have known that that stock would not reach that level again for 16 years. Now, while I did get lucky, I think that my rationale was sound in that I felt there was a competitor that could take serious market share from Microsoft. Now, fast forward to today, and Microsoft is still in its leadership position. But during the time that I sold it, to 16 years later when it reached that price again, it had gone down by two thirds during that time. So I was lucky enough to sell within just a dollar or two of the all time high. Again, total luck on my part. But what I'm trying to say is that that's the kind of thought process you want to use when you're thinking about selling. It's not about a war going on or an impeachment trial that's starting or rhetoric that's being talked about on Twitter, all those things are very frightening. But those in and of themselves are not necessarily going to impact a stock's price. 
What's going to impact a stock's price is things that make it less profitable. Things like a recession because customers won't be buying as much, consumer confidence won't be there. So sales could go down, which would impact a company's profitability. Or the housing market crash that we experienced in 2008 and 9. That because customers were losing money, concerned about their largest asset, not spending as much. High inflation can also reduce profits because the cost of goods that are sold are rising dramatically and that would cut into the profitability of the bottom line because your inventory will cost you more, therefore your profits will go down. Things like that are going to impact your fundamentals of your company's profits, your earnings. And so those are the things you want to think about when you think about, is it time to sell? Now, there is the special case of a total euphoria, which we did have in 1999 and into early 2000 when the stock market peaked in March of 2000. That bubble was so huge that everybody that could be in the market was already in the market, which goes back to the story of JFK's father, who said when the shoeshine boy gave him a stock tip, he knew that everybody who could be in the stock market was in the stock market, and he sold at the high in October of 1929, avoiding the stock market crash. In the same way, if we had complete euphoria where everybody who could possibly be invested in the stock market was, and everybody was giving you tips from your Uber driver and your Lyft driver to anybody, just anybody on the street passing by and happened to talk about a stock price. When it's in the conscience of just about everybody on the planet and everyone is talking about it all the time, that is the sign of a top. And that's exactly what happened in 2000. I've documented that in many podcasts and talked about the stranger that delivered a package to my door that gave me a stock tip, the driver of a car to the airport, a stranger again giving me a stock tip. These things were real and happened all the time. People talking about stock tips at cocktail parties. These are the kinds of things that happen at a top. And when I was talking about the top in Bitcoin in 2016, I was using the same kind of anecdotal evidence where people were talking about Bitcoin at parties, going up to people they don't even know, saying you should buy Bitcoin. These are the things that happen at the top of a a big top of a market. But all along the way, the stock market is going to have lots of bad news of things that happen from a flash crash to an oil spill to bombs going off in Iran. These things can be listed over the years as items that were news, but didn't necessarily negatively impact the stock market. In fact, I have a chart that I'll put in my show notes on my website because I can't post a chart in the iTunes show notes. It has to be on my website. So I'll post it over there. But this chart shows how the stock market from 2009 until the end of last year went up 495% in spite of all the bad news and all the documented things that happened that could have caused the stock market to go down or could have caused you to think you should sell your stocks or your ETFs or your mutual funds in your 401k. All of that bad news 
was just news. The more important things were the fundamentals, things like interest rates. What are interest rates doing? Right now, we have all-time low interest rates. That means there's no competition for money, and stocks really have the full attention of people who want to earn a decent return. There just isn't much competing with it. You don't have bonds competing with it. You don't have savings accounts competing with it. So when is it a good time to sell? If it's not time when we hear a lot of noise or bad news, when is it a good time to decide to sell? Well, here are the conditions under which I would consider might be a major selling point. Number one, as I said just a minute ago, if there's major euphoria and everybody who could be in the market is in the market. We definitely are not there today because I know that there is still a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. Yes, unfortunately, a lot of money is sitting in 1% savings accounts or half a percent savings accounts. Or in Europe, our brothers and sisters over there are getting negative returns on their savings accounts. That means they're actually paying money to have the bank keep their money there. They're not earning a positive yield on their money. They're literally trillions of dollars around the world that are earning negative returns. So that is no competition for where to put your money. But if everyone got in and there was no one left in those negative accounts, then that would be a good time to sell. Another reason to sell would be if a riskless rate of return, like on a treasury bill or bond, if treasuries, which are government obligations, government IOUs, if those interest rates went back up to an attractive level, maybe 5 or 6%, if they went back to an attractive level like that, that would be very tempting to get a what's called a riskless return because the government isn't going to default on your money theoretically anyway. And so it's considered a riskless rate of return to be invested in government bonds or bills. So if I could get a riskless rate of return of say 6%, that would be very tempting to not take any risk in the stock market and just take the sure thing. That would mean interest rates would have to rise a lot from here. And for them to rise that much, that also means it's going to be slowing down the economy because every time interest rates go up, it does slow down the economy, the housing market, etc. Another reason I might sell is if we had very high inflation. So if inflation all of a sudden spiked to a very high level, if oil prices spiked to a very high level, that would, again, reduce profitability in the markets because energy costs would be high for companies and that would reduce their profitability or inflation would be high. And as I explained before, inventories would become more expensive. That would reduce profitability. Anything that would reduce the bottom line of the company is something that would overall impact stock market earnings and mean that the stock market wouldn't go up as much. The one situation where you don't want to hang on to stocks has been when there is a decade of euphoria. The Roaring Twenties were such a decade. And when we look at the return the decade after the Roaring Twenties had in the 1930s, we can see that that was one of the few decades that had a negative return for the decade. During 1930 to 1939, the stock market was down 1%. 
on an annualized basis. However, from 1940 to 1949, it rebounded and annualized at 9%. Keep in mind, there was a major war going on during the 40s. In the 1950s, 50 to 59, after the war, the stock market annualized at 19%. From 1960 to 69, it annualized at 8%. From 70 to 79, when we had major inflation, major high oil prices, a terrible economy, the stock market still annualized at 6%. From 1980 to 1989, the stock market annualized at 17%. From 1990 to 1999, when we were experiencing the peak of the bubble there in 99, the stock market annualized at 18%. And then from 2000 to 2009, when we had the big real estate crash and the Great Recession, the stock market averaged at minus 1%, the same that it did the decade after the 1920s bubble. Same thing, 1930 to 1939, minus 1%, 2000 to 2009, minus 1%. But the decade after it had annualized at negative 1% in the 30s, it rebounded to 9% in the 40s. And after 2000 to 2009's negative 1% annualized return from 2010 to 2019, that decade annualized at 13%. When you look at this chart and you see that after the bubble of 1929, 1930 to 39 had the 1% for that decade after the bubble, but then the two decades following that were very strong, 9% and 19% for each of those decades in the 40s and 50s. We could be repeating that again. We may be entering into the second strong decade after the negative 1% decade. Take a look at the chart and you'll see what I mean. The other thing on this chart is it looks at the number of years invested and what percentage of the time you've received a positive return. When you invest on a one-year basis, you have a positive return 73% of the time. When you invest on a three-year basis, you have a positive return 83% of the time. When you invest for five years, you have a positive return 88% of the time. When you invest for seven years, you have a positive return 93% of the time. When you invest for 10 years, you have a positive return 94% of the time. And here's where it gets really interesting. And as you can see, the pattern is the longer that you invest, the more chance you have of having a positive return. When you get to the 20 year mark, 20 years of investing, 100% of the time you have a positive return, as well as any 25-year period, 100% of the time you've had a positive return, and any 30-year period, 100% of the time you've had a positive return. So that tells us you want to invest for the long term, you want to hopefully have at least a 20-year time horizon, and If you can invest for 20 years, 100% of the time, if you stay invested, you're going to have a positive return. At least that's what it's been in past history. But like I said, we've been through all kinds of ups, downs, wars, good news, bad news, bubbles, everything over history. And we still have a 100% return over any rolling 20 year period. That's incredibly amazing. And something that you should remember is important 
for your long-term outlook and why we always, as investors, look to the long-term to invest. Warren Buffett himself says his holding time horizon is lifetime. He likes to hold stocks for life and never sell them. Doesn't mean he doesn't sell some stocks he has, but his intention going in is that he'll buy it and keep it forever. I don't necessarily agree with that, although I'm no Warren Buffett, but I do think if fundamentals change, it does allow you to sell the stock. If you see some major competitors stealing market share, some new competitor coming in. After all, Nokia and BlackBerry once had leading positions in the cell phone space until the iPhone came along and wiped them all out and became the first trillion dollar company. So technology changes, technology leaders change, and that is why sometimes you do need to make some sell decisions, particularly in technology. I would say that's a more changing space than certainly a consumer products company. So long story short, don't let the big picture news be what scares you out of the market. That's not typically what is going to drive the market lower on a permanent basis. It may temporarily, but on a permanent basis, it's going to be a euphoria of some sort of a major stock market peak where everybody's invested and we are in a bubble, or we have some material change in profitability, something fundamental to the economy, whether it's a major rise in interest rates, a major increase in inflation, a real estate crash. Those things are going to impact the bottom line of the company. So don't let wars or rumors of wars scare you out of the stock market. Remember, even during World War II, we had a decade that had an annualized return of 9%. That's right in there with my long-term 10% return of the stock market that I always talk about is our goal to try to achieve in order to maximize our compounding. It's all about profitability with the stock market. It's all about anything that's going to increase profits. And that's why having lower taxes for corporations has actually helped many companies become more profitable and is, is one of the factors that has driven our stock market higher because lower taxes for corporations means more profit to the bottom line, which means companies can sell for more money and their stock price can rise. I hope that gives you some comfort to staying in the market long-term, keeping your long-term 20-year-plus perspective, and showing you ways to think about when might be the right time to sell and under what conditions you might recognize might cause a major peak in stock markets. And if you like learning about these things and want to know more, consider joining the VIP experience, where you can learn more about investing without overwhelm and without complexity. You can sign up in the show notes for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me to learn more about it, or you can check it out on my website at lindapjones.com. On the homepage, I've got a description about the VIP experience, a peek inside, and a special price for you. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.